Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Welcome in, baseball people. That is you. That is us. 52 weeks a year. This is baseball from 9 a.m. to 11 inside the clubhouse. I'm Matt Spiegel. He's Bruce Levine. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Matt. Yes, sir. A more baseball playoff version-wise. We're going to discuss uh, what's left of the playoffs. World Series coming up next week. Uh, some uh Exciting Game 6 action tonight in Houston between the Yankees and the Houston Astros. Washington waiting in the wings with a week off. How that will impact them, good or bad, we'll discuss that. Also, Cubs manager's job seems to be very close. It might be down to two people. We'll talk to you about that. Jeff Blum, who was your star player in Game 3 of the 2005 World Series, now broadcaster for the Houston Astros, will join us to discuss this series and other things, including Joe Espada. And as well, we always take your calls at 312-644-6767. Text Matt at 670-11. Yes, you can text us there. You can uh, tweet us at Matt Spiegel 670 at MLB Bruce Levine. The Astros and the Yankees will both be bullpenning tonight for game six in the midst of four games in four days. Interesting stuff. And I love that Jeff Blum has a little something for everybody. White Sox hero, uh, current playoffs, and Cubs manager candidate Joe Espada as the Astros bench coach. So a little something for everybody coming up at 930. By the way, Matt, Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's, the top deli restaurant and bakery in Chicagoland. They invite you to what they call soup season at their Northbrook location. While most call it fall, Max and Benny's invites you to Soup Fest. Matzo ball, chicken noodle, crepe lox, sweet and sour cabbage, mm. and a different veggie soup seven days of the week. I know it got your attention. Yeah, the life hack is to get the sweet and sour cabbage, but ask for a crepe lox in it. There you go. That's the uh, Matt Spiegel special. Uh-huh. Max and Benny's checklist. The best deli, no doubt. The best full restaurant, without question. The best bakery, you bet. Max and Benny's has a uniquely special new meeting and special event space. They call they can accommodate 50 to 200 people, parties, celebrations, meetings, you name it. Max and Benny's is your catering king. Ask for John at maxandbenny's.com for great deals. Complete dinner is seven days, 4 p.m. to 9 p.m. Skirt steak, chicken, and the freshest fish in Chicagoland is featured. 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Max and Benny's in Northbrook, where the corned beef sandwiches are piled as a high as a Chicago skyscraper. And uh, I am enjoying the playoff season. I don't know how many others will, and I'm not so sure that 
the uh, Fox and other broadcast uh, entities will be so thrilled with Washington and Houston if it turns out that way. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I suppose those those ratings will will find out. I know from a baseball perspective, either seeing the Yankees lineup against those Nationals pitchers or even better, in my opinion, seeing Verlander and Cole with Strasburg and Scherzer. Let's yeah. go. I mean, that's great baseball content for baseball hey, wait, fans. Now you're talking all-time baseball with starting pitchers being king. I know. And on a, on a day when I they're mean, both got on. a bullpen tonight come with on. the Yankees and the Astros. That's not modern baseball. Uh, but you know what's fun about modern baseball is that when you're the Nationals and you have two guys that you trust in your bullpen, maybe three with Tanner Rainey uh, ramping it up a little bit, Strasburg and Scherzer and Corbin are super starters, and Dave Martinez using them in relief. The Nationals are great. As we always say, 312-644-6767. Matt will uh, put you up on our board, and we'll talk to you about everything Chicago baseball. We will not ignore the Chicago White Sox, who we have work to do in this offseason as well. But we will start with the Cub job, uh, Cub manager job, and it appears, Matt, it's down to two. Yeah, they've interviewed Will Venable. They've interviewed Mark Loretta. Uh, they interviewed Gabe Kapler and Joe Girardi. But David Ross, uh, who everybody knows in this town, and Joe Espada, who most people did not know and probably still know a limited am- uh, amount about, the Houston Astros bench coach, um, uh, appear to be the two candidates. And you've got, you've got an outsider and very much an insider. So the question, Matt, uh, to me, and I'll broach it to you and our audience, is do you go with the person you know, the guy that has the intel into your organization, that has the heartbeat of all the star players right at his fingertips, part of the world championship team, a young guy with a lot of energy in David Ross, or do you go with the hot new guy who is coming from the hottest organization in baseball with the hottest new technique behind it as far as metrics and defensive shifting and everything that goes along with it as your next manager, as uh, Theo Epstein talked about in his 81 minutes with the media a couple weeks ago, Mm -hmm. um, the ever-changing landscape of baseball and how it changes not only uh, quickly, but sometimes six months to six months now as far as what is the best way to run your organization? Yeah, the echoes of that conversation and what he had to say very much um, relevant this week with the front office restructuring and right. the, the, the realignment of things. And that's another conversation. Um, but this is why you expound, excuse me, you expand and do interviews with other people because you might get blown away. First of all, you get a chance to pick Joe Espada's mind about the way the Astros do things and the way it goes from their front office to their bench and then to A.J. Hinch and how they utilize it. So you pick his brain on that. But what if you're blown away by Joe well, Espada by, personally? By, from from all indications, they have been. Okay. And, and, that, uh, and he is a very viable candidate that this is not – necessarily a, a David Ross show all the way. I think it had been. I think once they talked to Espada, I think they realized that there were a number of things that he would bring to the party that maybe David Ross would not. Mm-hmm. And from that perspective, they have to decide if they want to take an outsider in and bring in some of that uh, technical uh, work that he's done so successfully with Houston. And, uh, you know, as as you talked about the restructuring with the new 
director of hitting, directing, director of pitching, uh, promoted from within the organization. The scouting director will most likely be promoted from somewhere else or brought in from somewhere else, another organization. And will you be ready for a manager to get used to all of your people with uh, the training that Espada has had in these impressive places in New York and in uh, Houston. Yeah, Theo said it's like drinking from a fire hose. That was the analogy he used when you're a manager and you're trying to to learn everything. Uh, Ross has been in the organization and often in the suite as he has been learning everything that it takes to be the manager. It is awfully intriguing to bring in a guy from specifically that organization because they – are the best in terms of what their front office has done and their scouting and their development, how they teach and how their big league club performs. Theo uh, said, we we certainly are losing the contact battle in his 81 minutes. And, and, and in terms of contact, the Astros are winning the contact battle. So here's what we hear mostly out there, Matt. We hear that Ross is certainly the right guy, but is he, or was he too close as a, player to the other guys to be able to jump to the other side and be the manager and be able to continue to have the same rapport with better results than Joe Madden got over out of them over the last 13 months. Well, to me, that obviously is the biggest challenge, but I think they believe and, and from everything that I've gleaned, I believe too in David Ross as a person. I mean, this is a guy who's a hard ass. This is not like he was some cuddly, likable Grandpa Rossi guy to everybody. He got on everybody. He consistently right. got on everybody. But there was love involved. Uh, for sure. But, th- but that's the best way. So, so that's you, the best mix. So, yeah. But well, th- that, that certainly worked as a player. As a veteran player and right. a backup at that. Right. But, you know, a guy that, you know, they respected because he was out there bleeding the same blood they were on the field. Mm -hmm. Does the whole dynamic change when you are now the manager just sitting there going out to dinner instead with the the players, with the coaches, and, you know, the the difference between the line drawn between uh, can you still get the optimum amount out of them that you did as a catcher, a backup catcher, uh, but an impactful leader on the team? Will that leadership transfer over into the manager's position and will he be able to get the most out of them that way all right so the category then to me bruce is around baseball and really around sports the former player who became a manager for that very team because as i've sat here and referenced aaron boone well there's one as a yankee um we've referenced alex cora briefly a red Sox, but came from the Mm -hmm. astros as a bench coach Reference Rocco Baldelli. Was he ever a twin? I think of him as a Ray, but he might have no, ended as a twin. I don't know. But, Not an anyway, impactful one. But, no, but somebody uh, to be Joe that Girardi. big. Joe Girardi. Girardi. So be that big of a part of yeah. a champion team. Yeah. Joe, 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 Joe Girardi certainly had that. Right. So there are a few right there yeah. in, in, in the right. midst of the of the recent models. The, the difference it can is, be done. Uh, the difference with Girard, Girardi is he went elsewhere uh, to start his career as a manager. So he started with the Marlins and then had that year there, then came back as a coach with the Yankees mm-hmm. and then progressed to the manager's job. But if, so, if people have done the personal transition from beloved and respected yeah, elder right. player to manager. And no, leader. I mean, you know, Boone is going to be your American league manager of the year. Okay. Mm-hmm. I can almost guarantee that. And, and certainly Alex Cora did a fantastic job in his first year last year. I mean, he coached before he was a bench coach for who? Houston Astros, you know, so, I mean, uh, 
you know, there, there's some cachet coming from there as well. For sure. Um, with Ross, he's got a lot of tremendous qualities that make him appealing to the Chicago Cubs. As I was talking to Zach Winters uh, earlier this morning, uh, you don't hear his name for any other job. Uh, there's no appeal for the Mets at this point, no appeal for the Phillies, no appeal for the other four jobs that are open right now. So this is strictly a, a Cubs situation. Espada, I think, does have some appeal in other places, but mm-hmm. clearly David Ross and the Cubs seem like the right marriage, and it, it appears he's the odds-on favorite. But for all the reasons that we've just laid out and more, Espada uh, is making Epstein and Hoyer think. And it's good that they're they're being forced to think. Um, here's the thing about Ross, and, and I know that he has not been in the mix for other ball clubs. Maybe that's because everybody thinks he's going to be with the Cubs, or maybe he only wants the Cubs job, and he has been the, in the Cubs organization now for, for a lot of years as a player first and then as an exec. But he, yes, he played for Joe Madden, but he also played for Bobby Cox. He played for Dusty Baker. He played for Terry Francona. Mm-hmm. He played for Bruce Bochy. Um, he was teammates with Dave Roberts and Alex Cora and Kevin Cash. And with Kevin Cash, that was in Boston and part of some big meetings right. in Boston with those backup catchers and front office people. So it's like this is a lifetime of experience, 12 postseason rounds between 2004 and 2016. This is not just your cuddly cub backup catcher right. in 2016. This is a life in baseball getting ready for this. Will he embrace the metrics the way they want to embrace um, having that edge that appears that uh, teams like Houston have now going forward. I think that's the question. It, it certainly is a young enough guy, open-minded enough, a guy that um, has always looked at different areas. But uh, is Espada better qualified for the technical aspect of the manager's job, uh, translating that for uh, the players and the people on the field, the coaching staff, uh, from – his experience so far. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't. It's not like I've ever hung out or with Joe Espada or covered Joe You'd Espada. Like to. I, I would like to. Yeah. You know how, how I feel about the Astros. Last year, every level of the Astros organization, their pitching staffs led their league in strikeouts per nine innings. Every single level. This year on the big league club, their strike their 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 pitching staff led the league in allowing the littlest contact and they're hitting their their offense led the league in making the most contact. They know what the F they're doing. I think he's qualified just on the basis that he was uh, Brandon Hyde's um brother in law. Uh first landlord <laughs> and then met his wife through uh, Hyde's wife and uh became his brother in law. So I mean, he's qualified. Any truth to the rumor that your first landlord was Moses, Bruce? Any truth to that? Now, now that's old school six seventy the score, isn't it? Uh, I, know. I mean, it's I mean, disappointing. That's, it's so. It's I've so, disappointed myself. It's really. so Mike North and I'm, Jesse. I'm, I'm and, better than that. I'm better. Yeah. Well, maybe not. Actually, actually, Moses is not happy with you. That's all I can tell you. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. The other thing about a spotter, by the way. Um, a, a coach for Team Puerto Rico in the World Baseball Classic. How much fun was Team Puerto Rico? So I just for that alone, he skyrockets to the top of my right. other than Ross list. So, you know, again, the technical aspect of this is interesting. I'm sure we have a lot of people that would like to get in and talk about that and a lot of other subjects at 312-644-6767.
Uh, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, should we do so now, Bruce, yeah. and talk to people? Sure. This is Stan in Joliet on 670 The Score. What's hey, up, Stan? Good morning, fellas. Good morning. Hey, Bruce, I think you're right. I, I, I listened to what you just said about no one else has really any interest in Ross. But then Spees has this fascination with him that he's Grandpa Rossi and that no. maybe, he only want, maybe he only wants the Cubs. Come on now. <laughs> you know, I listen to you guys, and you guys have this fact. He got on all the players. It's like, come on. It's more than that to coach. It's more than that. Well, I mean, I think he does have more than that. And Stan, thanks for your thoughts. Um, he's a lot more than he, that. He is. I mean, look, he's a fantastic baseball guy. And he has a persona of a person. I mean, he's he's a regular person that relates to just about everybody, which – you know, maybe doesn't qualify you as a manager in 1960, 70, or 80, but it certainly qualifies you now uh, dealing with players nowadays. You have to know what makes these guys tick. You have to be able to get inside their heads. You must be able to communicate with them if you're going to be successful. So we know that. And Madden, to his credit, mm. was tremendously successful in that to the point where People, including his bosses, felt he was being taken advantage of over the last 13 or 14 months. Yes, that there had been some complacency amongst the players and they were taking advantage of him. That, that he had given so much autonomy yes. to the point where they weren't functioning as a unit. They were functioning and working as individuals, which we know baseball is pretty much a very much in, uh, individual type sport, Matt. But taking place on the field, there was probably not enough... Uh, communication uh, before games uh, with the group uh, to to make uh, mm-hmm. Epstein and Hoyer comfortable with the situation any longer. Let me help Stan, who clearly I think misheard my, um, he called it my fascination or my uh, my appreciation for David Ross as a candidate. First of all, there is the fact, as you said, Bruce, and we've been talking about a life in baseball and a lot learned and a very respected mind in terms of how they talk about game planning, et cetera. There's all of that. But here's the thing. They have been looking since 2016 to replace a certain kind of energy and presence in that clubhouse. That is exactly what David Ross brought them to the point that they have talked about it. They tried to go team urgency last offseason. They asked more of Joe Madden. They've gone out and gotten certain veterans, as you know, Bruce, to try and fill that role and be that kind of guy. The kind of person they are looking for their mix is they've hired different coaches and trying to, to change up the chemistry mix. The person that they're looking for is exactly David Ross. So why not get the guy who embodies what you're looking for from a personal perspective? Right. Or, you know, do you bring in the guy with the technical expertise that you're moving forward with? And uh, you and you, then you hope he brings the personal edge yeah, as you learn I, I about it. I mean, him. you know, the, you can you, – you'd, maybe you'd like to hire them both as co-managers, um, you know, if that would ever work. And it's never – it's never really happened, but down the line, we'll probably hear about that. 312-644-6767. We're going to take a brief break here. We'll come back and take your calls. Jeff Blum from the Houston Astros broadcasting team will join us at the bottom of the hour. Guy that might have had a big home runner in 2005 for the White Sox. I don't remember exactly. This hour on the score is brought to you by Suits 2020. Callers, hang on. We will get back to you on Inside the Clubhouse.
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Blum hits it into right down the line. It is gone. Jeff Blum, the former Astro, goes deep. And here in the 14th inning, the White Sox take a 6-5 lead. That's fairly memorable for people in this town. 14th inning of Game 3 for Jeff Blum. You think he tires of hearing that home run call? I'm betting against him. Not till uh, he's a very old man, maybe 100 years old, and maybe not even then. As we bring in the television broadcaster for the Houston Astros and a longtime friend, at least since 2005, and I go back further with further than that with him with his... Uh, uh, damage that he did with the on the Chicago Cubs uh, years ago. As Jeff Blum joins us on Inside the Clubhouse, good morning. It's good to be on with you guys. I will never get tired of hearing that, <laughs> and I appreciate. I also appreciate the fact that you brought up I had success against the Cubs and success as a White Sox. Yeah, yes, indeed, yes, indeed. You're you're remembered for success, which not every not every player gets that. Uh, it's that feeling, especially being part of a world championship team. Jeff, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about the Astros, and tonight uh, both the Yankees and Astros are going to have a bullpen night. Certainly something different than back when you played uh, not that very long ago. Uh, what, what do you uh, think, where do you think the advantage is to going into game six other than the Astros being at home for potentially two games? Um, I think that might be the only advantage. I thought the rainout was actually going to push back everybody and create an opportunity for the Astros to do what they did against the Tampa Bay Rays, where forcing the opponent to go through Granky, Verlander, and Cole to try and advance. And it obviously worked in the first round with the Astros beating the Rays and getting to the championship series. But I think that uh, it's going to be interesting today because we're probably going to see some guys we haven't seen in the series, most notably uh, Jose Urquidy for the Houston Astros. It'll be interesting to see how he handles the pressure. Uh, Brian Abreu's had his issues in, uh, you know, early in this series. So is he going to be okay to go in this uh, game today? But uh, there are a couple of pieces out there for Aaron Boone, you know, most notably uh, Alvinio, who's having a tough time coming out of that bullpen. So, and these guys have been taxed a little bit for the uh, New York Yankees. So I wonder how Aaron Boone's going to be able to play those matchups. So I think that both managers are kind of hoping that they can get at least three innings out of whoever opens these game, the, tonight's game up. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I, immediately when the rainout happened and you're like, four games in four days, I, I thought to myself, boy, the Yankees are screwed because of the way they use their bullpen. Mm-hmm. But, but last night, Tommy Canley threw eight pitches. Zach Britton threw 18. So maybe he's not a heavy usage guy tonight, if at all. And Aroldis Chapman only threw nine. So, look, the way, the way we see it in this town, Aroldis Chapman could throw four innings tonight and three innings tomorrow. But that's Joe Madden in 2016 <laughs> talking. But, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. Without Otavino, though, uh, as you mentioned, 
Um, Aaron Boone really does have, have the hands tied. Huge advantage now back to the Astros. Why is, why, is Wade Miley not on this, this, this roster? There's a, there, there's so that they, they decided they were going to do this, a, a bullpen game, as opposed to giving Wade Miley a start, right? Um, it, unfortunately for Wade Miley, it's, it's purely because of what happened in the month of September because for five months, Wade Miley was arguably the third-best pitcher in that five-man rotation right behind Cole and Verlander. It was Wade Miley who was going out there and doing a great job. Uh, and then September happened. I'm not sure if it was fatigue. I'm not sure if it was mentality. But I think eventually by the end of the season, it was a combination of fatigue and mentality because he was having a hard time getting out of the first inning. So I think that's where it kind of scared A.J. Hinge, Brent Strom, the pitching coach, off a little bit and put guys like Urquidy and uh, Brian Abreu on that roster. It's very interesting to see that happen. But you're right in the sense that you know of the guys that are stretched out and maybe – able to go out there and give you three to five innings. There were only two guys in September that would have been able to do that in the playoffs for you. It was Wade Miley and Jose Urquidy. But the way that Wade's month of uh, September went, where he had a you know 10-plus ERA, they backed off him and put Jose Urquidy into that situation. Chicago White Sox World Series hero Jeff Blum joins us on Inside the Clubhouse. I know that's never going to get old to hear. Never not for you or any of your nope. teammates back then. And, and you know, I bring it up again only because, you know, we appear to have a managerial race that's down to David Ross and Joe Espada, who's the bench coach for the Astros and who you've been able to uh, watch in action over the last couple of years. And you were very much a teammate like David Ross. Uh, you, didn't, you weren't always a starter, but when you played, uh, you always performed when you uh, were in the clubhouse, you were always considered somebody as a go-to guy and a, and a guy that people could trust in what he said. Um, when you look at Ross, and then you can maybe help us with Espada, what, what differences do you see as far as the qualities that they might bring to the table? Wow, that's a really good question because, you know, I obviously have experience with Joe Espada here in Houston with him being the bench coach for the Astros the last two years, so I've created a relationship with him. But I've also known David Ross for quite a while, too, and I appreciate both of them. Uh, They've both got very good mentalities as far as the game is concerned, and obviously we've seen the track record of, of managers that have been catchers in the past, and I think that goes a long way because those catchers behind home plate see the whole field in front of them, they have to manage the, uh, you know, the pitcher's attitude, the psychology, manage the game plan back there behind home plate. But they also understand the mechanics of the game, the fundamentals. So they've got a very good vision in front of them on how they think the game should unfold. And having played, I'm sure David Ross, having played with several teams, working with several managers, has picked up on a couple of keys along the way. He's also got the name equity in the city. That always, always goes a long way. He's got uh, a media experience, which I'm finding out these days is a huge asset to have if you're going to be a major league manager because of the attention you get. But on the other hand, Joe Espada is a guy, and don't discount you know, David Ross's uh, experience at, as a player in the big leagues. That might be the only thing that is lacking for Joe Espada. But Joe Espada, you know, a career minor league guy who's worked in himself into a situation where he was a third base coach for the Miami Marlins, a third base coach for the New York Yankees. So being with the Yankees, I think, gives him a lot of street credibility as far as understanding media markets, understanding the pressures of playing in a major market, and understanding how to work with some of these players. And then being a bench coach for A.J. Hinch has been a huge benefit, too, because you're learning how to manage 
a team that is highly analytical. So you're learning to how to balance the numbers and the personalities on the field and working with a front office who's going to kind of be in your office quite a bit, offering some information. So I think that's where Joe benefits a little bit. And uh, just a little inside secret on Joe Espada, this dude wants to win. He wants to manage. He wants to manage a good team. He wants to manage good players, and he wants to make them better. There's a fire inside Joe Espada that I think is ready to put him in that manager seat and, and really lead the charge for some of these guys here in the major leagues. Whether he gets the job in Chicago or someplace else, I know he's interviewed around. But uh, he is a guy who is going to be uh, chomping at the bit to lead some of these guys, and I think he's excited about it too. Well, that's the fi- that's what we don't know about, and that's what I think they needed to find out in their interview is that fire because personality-wise, I think David Ross is exactly what they've been looking for in a post-Madden dugout yep. to, uh, to to get on some guys to get on their backsides, but be likable sort of, you know, when needed in that same way. Mm-hmm. Does, does Espada have that kind of edge to his personality that he can hold people accountable and yet still be respected and not hated? Yeah. And I think the only challenge that Joe Espada might have is not having that major league baseball experience because, you know, David Ross can move into a situation where he has had to be that hard ass a little bit and have to motivate guys, yet he's still that guy you're going to have to travel with 190 days a year and create that relationship. So Joe Espada is a guy who's going to have to earn that a little bit as opposed to David Ross who might move into the situation and already have that built into the situation. But I think that Joe Espada is going to have no problem doing that because he's got superstar talent right now in Houston. So he's understanding how to work with the personality of guys who – who have the spotlight on them, motivate them to win. And again, he's working with a club who has been to the World Series and won it, and now he's creating you know, an opportunity for these guys to get back to the World Series. And sometimes that's, sometimes that's a tough thing to do. And I think what gets discounted for bench coaches is that they're, they're seen as a guy who is just a gopher or a, you know, a personal assistant for the manager. And I don't believe that's the case with uh, A.J. Hinch. I think A.J. Hinch puts a load on top of Joe Espada and has expectations to him to kind of be that second manager in the dugout. Jeff, uh, when you look at Ross crossing over from being a guy that could get in John Lester or John Lackey's face as a friend, as a teammate, as a trusted ally, compared to uh, maybe having to do the same thing as a manager rather than a, a guy that's out on the field uh, trying to win ball games with them, what, how do you how do you delineate between the two? How do you divide up uh, where that's going to be successful or not? How difficult is that transition of having played with ten of these guys on a world championship team and now trying to lead them but not be one of their teammates any longer? Yeah, I think it's interesting, and that's where I you know other guys in the clubhouse are going to kind of watch that relationship because I think when you're playing on a major league team, you want to be treated as equals. I know that superstars. And some of the better talent are going to get, uh, you know, a little more leniency, so to speak, or they're not going to be tre- they're going to be treated a little bit differently. But I think that's where David Ross moves in, has a nice big team meeting, explains who he is, what he expects from these guys, and then you start to have those individual meetings with guys one by one. And eventually, you're going to have to have some guys like John Lester in there or some of the other teammates you've been playing with, and you're going to have to sit down and go, "Look, I love you to death. We were teammates. We did some crazy stuff in the past." We were teammates having a good time, but now the expectation is me to lead this team to a World Series championship, and I can't do that if I can't expect you to go out there and perform and allow me to manage. So I think it's an expectation between David Ross of John Lester to help him be that leader in the clubhouse, 
but also understand that when it when push comes to shove, it's going to be a little more shove than push than it has in the past. But I think David Ross has got the skills, and I think he's got the respect of guys, you know, some of these veterans like John Lester, to be able to go out there and do that. And let's be honest, baseball is changing. The managers are getting younger. The analytics have moved in. So I think that there's an opportunity for John Lester to really show how some of these veteran guys can work with an ex ex-teammate, ex-player, and now manager. And I think it should be pretty interesting to see how some of that unfolds. Boy, it's a real fascinating debate between these two because it stands as a template for a lot of times what happens in baseball. Do you bring in somebody from the outside and then mold them to how you operate personally? Or do you bring in somebody that you know personally is going to be fabulous but then have to have them kind of adjust their relationships and bring in stuff? This is this, These kind of conversations yeah. go on everywhere. And, and Jeff, you saw it a million times as a player where you saw this uh, up and back between the Durkers and the Garners and, and different people, uh, you know, as to how, how they want to go about it. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron Boone's another guy that's moved from the, you know, the, the booth to the, to the manager seat. So I think that, you know, there's been precedent set, but at the same time, you're right. It is a matter of, do you want the comfortability of knowing what you're going to get from David Ross, or maybe you have a relationship where you can, I don't want to say manipulate, but maybe encourage him to make some different decisions, whereas Joe Espada may come in and, you, and he's a little bit of a wild card. But I think that's why they have these extensive interviews, and they have done a very good job of trying to figure out who these guys are before you hire them as managers. But I think, it's it, you know, I would imagine that these teams, especially the Cubs, they don't want to bring in a guy that's going to, you know, say in two years they're going to blow it up and, and move him out of there. I, want, I would love to see – a major league team go out there, do their due diligence, find a guy that they like and really give him an opportunity to go out there and establish himself in that clubhouse Hmm. and establish himself as a manager and let them go try and win in three or four years. Hey, Jeff, last thing for you. I really appreciate the time. Um, What's the genius of the Astros in terms of offense? I know what they do with pitching, but how have they gotten Springer and Bregman to be better contact hitters over the course of the last few years? How do they lead the league in contact as an offense? Man, you know what? That's one of the things that I've been most impressed with because as a major league player, I wasn't a, I wasn't a low strikeout guy. I wasn't a high strikeout guy. I had moments where I knew where the zone was. I had moments where I had no clue where the zone was. But the consistency is what blows my mind. And what's crazy, what you just talked about, is that George Springer is an organizational guy, drafted and developed. Alex Bregman, an organizational guy, drafted and developed. And it seems to be the astral way is how they develop these guys to have such good strike zone command. And obviously it takes a lot of practice. There's repetition in there to be able to understand what the strike zone is. But I think it's, you also have to instill a confidence in these guys to know that as a player, I can go out there and lay off some pitches or maybe take a borderline pitch. My manager, my hitting coach won't yell at me and they won't get upset at me for being late in the count. And they've created an, a mentality is hitters where if you do take pitches, you don't panic. And I think that's where the Astros have been very good. Cause even if they take borderline pitches or they fall behind, you really don't see them panic too much uh, during the regular season. We've seen it a little bit in the postseason, which kind of is interesting to me, but the pitching is better in the postseason. but they have done a very good job as an organization to teach and help these guys understand that you can stay tight with your zone and be incredibly successful. And in doing so, when you lay out those pitches and don't chase, you force the pitcher into the strike zone, and that's where they get their success is when the pitcher realizes they're not getting the chase, they've got to throw a strike, and eventually it gets hammered. 
Jeff, uh, Matt and I really appreciate your time and expertise. It's been a fun 15 minutes here. We really appreciate it. Uh, how, how often do you wear the White Sox championship ring? And when you look at it, do you do anything but smile? No, it brings back incredible memories. It's good being on with you guys. It's always good to talk to the city of Chicago. You know, I still get, uh, you know, it's fun coming into the city and knowing that people are more than welcoming when I come to the south side, south side still, even though it's close to 14, 15 years. But that, that ring definitely sits in front of the, the Houston Astros championship ring for a lot of reasons, most notably because I can actually wear it and I can get my hand in my pocket. But, uh, the other reason is is because I won it as a player, and that's what means the most to me is understanding that I was a part of something great as a player at the top level of my game. And obviously, you know, the personalities that were on that 05 team, everybody asks me, especially being around this Astros team right now, as good as they are, they always ask, what was it like being on a World Series championship team? And I never run out of stories to tell about the 2005 White Sox. Look, we'll do a whole segment on uh... – Hitting home runs from both sides of the plate against the Cubs next time we have you on, because that's also I love it. near and dear. And I remember being at that game, and it was uh, it was fun to watch as well. Jeff, thanks a lot. Uh, good luck to the Astros, and we'll talk to you down the line. Thanks again. I look forward to you guys. Have a good Saturday. Right, thanks. thanks, Jeff. Jeff Blum of Houston TV, uh, also a star of the World Series Game 3, a home run in the 14th inning to give them a victory in a – improbable, to say the least, sweep of the Houston Astros in 2005. The championship plaza over there at Guaranteed Rate Field has that monument to the 2005 White Sox, and there are five players whose likeness is is part of the mix there, and Jeff Blum is one of them. He is forever in statue form outside the ballpark. Absolutely. We'll continue to talk uh, Cubs, White Sox, We're going to talk about a movement of Cubs and Sox players in our next hour. Phone lines are open at 312-644-6767. 670, the score is where you are. Keep it right here on Inside the Clubhouse. It's 670, the score. Really good stuff from Jeff Blum about uh, what Joe Espada might bring to the table Intriguing, that's for sure. Let's squeeze in a call on Inside the Clubhouse. Jim is in Bartlett and joins us right now. Jim, you're on with me and Bruce Levine. What's up? Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Bruce, it's great to listen to you talk baseball. Well, what about uh, Matt? I, I, I don't do I it very well without Matt. Well, yeah, Matt's good, too. Yeah. But there's many things that you guys brought up about these players that are beloved and great in the clubhouse, moving into the managerial role. You know, I've had yet to hear anybody bring up the fact you got to be careful with that because look at what happened with the Sox and Robin Ventura. Mm-hmm. Joe Girardi was my favorite outside the organization. A spotter doesn't have a chance. It's like the media and the fans, and you know that they're, they're all in love with Ross, and he's a good guy. Don't get me wrong. He didn't call that meeting in the seventh game of the World Series. Jason Hayward did. But that being said. Girardi wouldn't have been a good fit because he would have gotten rid of the safe spaces in the clubhouse in the Play-Doh. <laughs> so they just better be very, very careful with, with Ross because it doesn't mean it's automatic he's going to be great. Yeah, you're Have right. Good weekend, you know, and and that's, that's an interesting call, Matt, uh, from this perspective. As you pointed out to me uh, before the show, uh, and we've talked about it on the air many times, you can only replace so many coaches along the way before you have to look – at the players and tell them to go look in the mirror and you're the reason why it's not getting done. Now, how many different people have you asked 
coaching wise and managing wise for to appeal to the players to get the best out of them? Is it a, also a possibility, like this gentleman said, that you have Ross appeal at this level and it doesn't function, and that it is about getting a new group of players in there to be the next wave of Chicago Cub world champions? Uh, two things. One, Robin Ventura was out of baseball and raking uh, the the outfield for a high school team when he was plucked. Friend of the organization, but plucked to be a manager, as opposed to Ross, who's been a special assistant to the GM and a broadcaster in the right. game. So that, that's different. But the other thing is that they're making multiple changes or myriad changes to multiple levels of the organization, were Theo's words. Big front office restructure. There will be changes to the roster and trades, and I know we're going to talk about that next hour, and there'll be a change with managers. So to me, it's how all of those things fit together to build your new thing. So the assumption, my assumption is they're going to bring in a scouting director from outside. Yeah, where are the outside voices coming from, and does manager need to be an outside voice as it fits into that? And and, and that is exactly where I was going. We'll continue this conversation with you at 312-644-6767, text Matt at 6711, or read all that is worthy to be on the air on the air with us today. So join us for the next hour, and we're going to have a lot of fun talking about who will stay and who will go. It's 670, the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.